Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. Well, my guest today is someone who goes by the name of Scuba Jess. Um, Jess, I'm going to let you introduce yourself a little bit more than that. Um, I apologize, everyone. Bosley has entered in the room. My, my puppy has decided to grace us and open my office door. So now we'll have outdoor ambient music in the background. So Scuba Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, everybody. It's so nice to be here. Um, yeah, I, uh, my full name is Jessica Alexanderson, but it's kind of a mouthful, especially when you're at the beach diving with 90 pounds of dive gear on your back and you're trying to explain Alexanderson. Um, so I just changed it to Scuba Jess, um, and that's a lot easier to remember. So uh, yeah, and um, I've been moving west my whole life. So I was born in New York. I lived there till I was five, and then uh, we moved to Utah. So I grew up in the country. Um, and I moved out here to Bellevue, Washington in 2008 for my job, and I just loved it. Um, just from the airplane, the first time I came to Seattle, um, just looking down, seeing all the water and the trees, it was so green and blue and beautiful, and i like, I need to move here. Um, and the most, like, the craziest thing is, like, I love coffee, and so in Utah, there's, like, very limited coffee supply. Um, and when I <laughs> walked off the airplane in Seattle and I saw everybody holding coffee, I was like, I'm home. Like, this is, these are my people. I'm here. And so um, I was like, just, I, I have to move here. Um, so just, just to interrupt you and to, to <laughs> yeah. help paint a picture, uh, just, just held up a photo of butt first coffee, it, it, not a photo, but a mug with butt first coffee on it. I've got my Washington state coffee mug in my hand. Oh. We're, 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 we're enjoying coffee, but I have to ask because your story's not quite believable to me. Oh, really? What you said, well, this is what you said. You said, uh, you know, as I, from the plane, I saw the blue water, the green, blah, blah, blah. So you arrived in 2008. If memory serves me, only three days didn't have rain in Seattle. <laughs> Actually, uh, I came up here in 2007 before oh, okay. I moved here um, for, um, that was my first time. So I worked for a company called Evergreen Shipping. Um, oh. ship containers all over the world, big cargo ships, like yeah. ships stuck in the Suez Canal. Um, <laughs> that's us. That's and you? So okay. I started there in the Salt Lake office. Um, I Which went just seems funny to me that a shipping I, company would be in Utah. I'm sorry. It just yeah, seems, so okay. uh, they had a logistics cell. Like, it was a like documentation and traffic team because it's like cheaper labor probably to outsource it to Utah. Um, and so <laughs> after I worked there for six months, they sent me up here and I actually got to go to the port to see our huge uh, cargo ships, which was amazing. And I got to go to my very first Mariners game. And up until that point, I was like a huge Yankees fan because my family's from New York and my mom's a Mets fan and my dad's a Yankee. So it was always like a, my mom lived near Shea Stadium and my dad was from Manhattan. Um, so I was always Yankees. And then as soon as I, um, got to Seattle, I got to go to a Mariners game and I saw Ichiro and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so, um, yeah, when I got back from this business trip back to Utah, I was like, I need to move, I need to move to Seattle. Like, this is amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mm -hmm. luckily moved here in 2008. Um, I convinced my little sister to come with me cause I didn't want to move alone okay. and she was still in college, but she, um, it was probably not the smartest thing, but she just like dropped out right then and just moved with me. Like she should have came like six months later when she finished the semester or whatever, but she's like, no, I'll just come. So, um, 
yeah, I just picked an apartment where I could walk to work without getting lost. Um, and yeah, I ended up downtown Bellevue and it was amazing. Um, so that's just the really- That's your story to how you got to Washington. I And I tease you about the, the three days because I, I grew up on the west side of the state. I yeah. um, went to college in the center of the state. Oh, cool. I Which moved, college? I went to Central. You know, oh, okay. so, you know, it's just, you know, state school, middle of state called Central. Um, and then I moved back to Seattle and the person that introduced us, Ron Church. Yeah. Uh, Ron what was what we called a local in Ellensburg when we went to school and we met Ron and he uh-huh. was a, a local kid, a couple years younger. I don't, Ron's two or five years younger than us. I don't quite remember. Um, us being this group of people. And uh, so after college, we all kind of migrated west to to the Seattle market. Uh-huh. And uh, I lived there up until in the Seattle Tacoma area up until 2017. And then I just, I had enough. I couldn't take the traffic. I, yeah. The gray all sky the got to me. Yeah. The traffic in the gray uh, was not a good combo. And I was yeah. spending a lot of time in the, my car. Oh yeah. So we moved to Wenatchee where we were promised, you know, 300 days of sunshine. And that was a lie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, know, shoot, I, mean, like, I, I love, I love living in Wenatchee. So, so Ron, let's, let's yeah. talk, about, let's, let's not talk about you for a second. Let's talk about Ron. How did you, because I think this is going to yeah. tie in. So, um, so I actually started scuba diving um, in 2014. Um, before that, I had no idea you could dive in cold water. I always just thought it was warm water, like turtles and stuff. I grew up in Utah, so I was landlocked because I didn't really know about the cold water diving. And we have like the most amazing diving here. And so um, when I first got into it, um, we go to, we go to um, Redondo Beach down in Federal Way every Thursday night. So we do Thursday night diving. And that's where I met Ron was at Redondo. Um, yeah, and, and then my dive buddy, Eric, um, he's he's known Ron for a long time, too. So, yeah, he's just a really nice gentleman. Uh, came up, gave me some tips uh, as a new diver back in 2014. And um, ever since then, yeah, I have uh, uh, 2,300 dives. <laughs> uh, what? Oh, wait, wait a second. Wait, no, no, not, no, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did my math wrong. Hold on one sec. <laughs> that is, that was total, that was a total miscalculation on my part because I log all of my away missions. Um <laughs> and I definitely need to drink more coffee because I had uh, a really late night last night. <laughs> uh oh. All right. Hold on. We'll, we will be fact checking everything you say from this point forward. 1300 dives, not 2000. Holy moly. Uh 1300 dives in eight years. Um, there we go. So definitely need the coffee today. Holy cow. Um but yeah, I basically go scuba diving um two or three times a week. And I just fell in love with the amazing sea creatures that we have here. They're um I'm, I'm a big, huge Trekkie, and so every time I go scuba diving, I feel like I'm on an away mission underwater in, like, a whole other world, and, like, I'm just seeing all these aliens, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating, like, the amazing, uh, beautiful sea creatures we have here, and so I wanted to just go around and, like, take pictures of every single one and find out what everything I saw on the dive was. I'd come up after the dive and look through my my guidebook and just, like, oh, these are all the nudibranchs I saw. These are the different fish, and so, yeah. So um, I just did some quick math. Okay. And over the course of your dive career, you've averaged 2.25 dives a week. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> That's insane to me. It is. Oh, it's I, so fun. I, I'm I not like... saying I'm not saying it wouldn't be fun. I'm just yeah. saying 2.25 dives a week over eight years. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. I... 
<laughs> I feel like uh, scuba diving was like the passion that I was missing in my life, like uh -huh. or my purpose. Like I always knew like I was missing something. And like before I was a diver, I would go to like lots of concerts, comedy shows. And I'm also a big, huge uh, Trekkie. So I'd go to a lot of Star Trek conventions right. and then obviously trying all of the different coffee shops that I can get to. Uh, so those were like always my things before I was a diver. And then once I just was underwater in that swimming pool for the first time breathing underwater i was like this is the most amazing thing i've ever done in my life like this is what was missing um, interesting okay and yeah i just I, I i've never tried scuba diving it to be transparent i mean i think okay. it's cool but it doesn't it it's not a it's not a thing i want to try um really? but yeah. I, no it's just it's just not for yeah. i don't know i don't nothing against it it's just like are you comfortable in the water or yeah, have you been i'm comfortable in the water i mean okay. there's just just but i'm just not interested and i think now, maybe you can help me though, because yeah. one of the things that I think is a massive limitation of scuba diving is the inability to drink coffee while you're scuba diving. So, oh gosh, I talked about this actually underwater. Like, that would be so amazing because you're cold uh, after like an hour down there. I'm yeah, like, see, if I had an underwater coffee device, and, yeah, like, a see, you, 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 <laughs> you invent so. that. I will, I will agree to learn to dive and be a beta tester. Yeah. But until I can drink coffee underwater, I'm probably just yeah, but I, pass. Have, I have like a really nice thermos. So as soon as I get up out of my dive, I have my nice hot coffee right there waiting for me. Um, I also <laughs> am pretty famous because <laughs> I bring my coffee machine with me in the car to the beach. So whatever dive site, like, cause we go to some remote areas like Salt Creek or whatever, there's no coffee shops around. Right. Um, and so I'll just go look for a plug on the beach, plug in my Mr. Coffee maker and just make a fresh pot of coffee right there for everybody. Um, I've also unfortunately blown out a couple of fuses from my friend's cars because <laughs> you know how like they have a little plug-in thing where you can plug it into your cigarette lighter yep. and have like an actual plug. So I plugged right. my coffee machine into that thing because I thought the voltage was okay and it was not okay. Yeah, so you I need like, to invest in an inverter. An inverter would be your friend in this situation. Yeah, um, so I feel bad. I'm like, I'm sorry, I broke your car trying uh, to get some coffee. But it was for coffee. <laughs> I mean, coffee, coffee trumps everything. So yeah. So you met Ron. Yeah. And Ron had already been diving. Cause I, the one thing mm -hmm. I, well, not, I know there's lots of things about Ron. I don't know, but I don't know when he started diving. It just, yeah, there I, was this period where he was never a diver. And then, <laughs> then there's been this life after that, which is how he, I think he identifies is he scuba dives his, yeah, his vacations like or dive yeah. trips. Yeah. Um, like diving changes your life. Like it's like pre-dive and post-dive. Like that's how I like categorize my life. Like everything before scuba just was like a whole other person. Um, I unfortunately haven't dove with Ron um, very much. Like he, um, he didn't show up to our dive sites when we were diving. I think our schedules probably didn't align. And then I think recently he got injured or something, but he's going to be getting back in the water soon. So I really hope to dive with him and okay. uh, hear more of his story. Cause I'm, I'm not actually sure when he started diving, but I know he was definitely diving um, before I was, cause I remember he gave me some tips as a new diver. Right. Um, but it's, yeah. yeah, the dive community is amazing. Like we always just like, whenever there's like new fresh dive blood, we're always just like <laughs> swarm them and give them tips and like take them out diving. Cause it's just, it's definitely a group activity, which is so nice. Like I just met my tribe, like these are my people and a lot of divers also love coffee. So that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you're, 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 you're you know, you're, you haven't sold me on it, but you're doing a good job. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, and I, yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys, your viewers can't see my pictures, but I mean, we just have like the cutest sea creatures around. I'm wearing my, um, one of my favorite, very favorite fish is called a Pacific spiny lump sucker. Uh, so they're about the size of a quarter, uh, when they're, uh, well, in this picture, this lumpy was like a quarter size. This is one of my pictures. 
Um, but they're just so cute. They're like these little puffer fish and they have suction cups on their base. So they okay. can stick to rocks or kelp and they come in all different colors. They come in red, orange, green. Um, if you're lucky, like a kind of blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very feisty fish. Like, so when they pop up off the rock, they get mad at you if you're taking their picture too much. They'll come like charge your camera and they'll swim around kind of like bumblebees and like zigzag pattern. And sometimes they'll like come sit on my, on my strobe. So I can't take that picture, but so I mean, you're, you're like scuba to... paparazzi then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're definitely scuba paparazzi. And so, okay. um, but I feel like it's good to bring the attention to like these amazing, um, sea creatures that we have down there and sure. try to help protect them um so because people would usually never even know what a pacific spiny lump sucker was and like this is like the local rock star of the seattle area so that's interesting uh, so what little i know about scuba diving is because yeah. um i i am a a large fan of the, the band the grateful dead uh-huh. and jerry garcia who's deceased um later in his life as his um weight escalated um, his drug habit escalated was famous for saying the only place he felt comfortable was in the water. And so he, he became a scuba diver Yeah. and I read an article where he said, I love going to Puget sound and it's one of the best places to dive that I've ever been to. And he could go anywhere he wanted in the world. And I'm like, huh it is we have i mean yes it's so i mean it really does feel like you're getting a hug like i mean because we wear our dry suits we wear very warm undergarments underneath um it's like a personal sleeping bag that i wear from england called the weasel extreme plus which is such a great name the weasel Um, and then when you're diving you get the weasel extreme plus yes so cool um so you wear a dry suit so you stay dry and you're having like this personal sleeping bag under so it's just super cozy and then when you're in the water the pressure just like feels like you're getting a hug like it just really relaxes you and you're just focused on your breathing, um, like you don't hear anything else, like the whole world just disappears. And like, right. you're just focused, you're just in the moment, like looking at the fish that just swam up to you or the crab that just walked by or the hermit crabs are adorable, they're running around like crazy. And huh. like, you just forget all of your worries. And the only thing you're focused on really is like looking at your computer, like how much air do I have left? Like how much time do I have left? How deep am I? Um, and yeah, it's just so peaceful until a ferry boat goes by, then it's super loud. (laughs) Um, but other than that, it's just like, yeah, it's just very calm, relaxing. And like, you just forget everything. And it's just, it's basically like therapy, just (laughs) diving there. And, uh, yeah, I love it. So let me, let me ask you some, some, you know, very, I know nothing questions. So they may seem very, very ridiculous, but if I don't know it, I'm going to guess that somebody else listening to this is probably like, I didn't know this. So let's just go back to Redondo. You go there every Thursday, right? All right. Walk me through what a typical dive at Redondo takes from like, from prep prep to, yeah, Yeah. from prep, from the time in the water, depth, you know, all of that. And then after you're done, what does it take? So what's a, what's a dive? There's a lot of (laughs) diving is definitely a dedicate. Like you have to be pretty dedicated to this, this sport for sure. But, um, so first of all, you, once you have all your own dive gear, um, you have to go get your tank filled. So I go to the dive shop two or three or four times a week, just no, a couple times a week. So you have to drop off your empty tanks. It takes like a day to get them filled and then you have to go back. So I call my, I don't have any kids. So I, I have, we have 12 tanks between me and my boyfriend. So we each have, <laughs> we have 12 kids. So we're like a Mormon family. <laughs> and so I'm so like, does the back of your car have like you and your boyfriend and then little tanks? Yeah, I have a picture with them all lined up. And then we also have two pony bottles, like little sling bottles for emergency for extra air. 
so we actually have 14 tanks. Um, so I'm, I'm like a soccer mom. Like I'm always driving my kids to the dive or they're very hungry. So I'm just, I always go to the dive shop. I'm like, I got some hungry babies for you. And then when I come pick them up, like they're like fat and happy. So anyways, first, let, me, tank, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt yes. you. What does it cost to fill a tank? Um, so if you just want regular air, it's like $10. If you want nitrox, it's about 15 and we usually always use nitrox. So it's definitely an expensive hobby, but, um, so why, why nitrox? So nitrox is enriched air. So it has a higher level of oxygen in the less okay. nitrogen. Um, okay. and so if you're diving deeper, I don't like to dive super deep, but you mm -hmm. can stay down at like 60 feet or 70 feet for longer because less nitrogen will build up in your system. Okay. Um, so okay. it's just a little healthier, um, especially if you're doing repetitive diving. If you're doing like multiple dives in a day, um, it's better to be on nitrox just so you're getting less nitrogen build up in your system. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, it also like, I feel like it gives you extra energy. Like I, I don't know, it's kind of like a caffeine boost, but okay. through extra so, air. So oxygen, maybe, maybe so. Starbucks should be selling anyway. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So you get your tank. So it's so 15 bucks drive. to fill up a tank. Okay. 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 So, okay. So we drive through rush hour traffic because we leave at five, usually five o'clock on Thursday night, get to Redondo about six to six 30. Um, cause from Bellevue, the traffic is that bad. Um, and then, but it's totally worth it. So you get there, say hi to all your friends in the parking lot. Then you st we all start setting up our gear. So you get your tanks out, you put your, uh, BCD on like your backplate and wing or, um, like your, uh, it's like kind of like a vest that goes over your tank. So you can strap on your tank. Mm -hmm. Uh, you put your regulator on, um, then you want to turn your, make sure you turn your air on, uh, and check your pressure, see how much air you have in there. Sometimes you get so many tanks from the dive shop and they accidentally forgot to fill one. So you like get all the way mm. there and your tank is empty. You're like, oh crap. Um, so definitely yeah. want to check that before you get in the water. Okay. Um, yeah, breathe off your regulator, make sure everything's functioning. Uh, then you want to put on your undergarment and your dry suit. Uh, so it's, it's a process. Um, and then once you got everything, you get your, your mask, your, put your gloves on, uh, your hood and make sure you didn't forget your fins. <laughs> so usually, uh, since all of this stuff is about 90 pounds for all of mine plus the camera, um, I usually uh, walk down to the beach first to just check out the water, make sure it's not wavy or see what's going on. And I put my fins and my pony bottle down there first. So I take two trips. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then, okay, so we're all geared up. We're all chit chatting well, about all the sea creatures we want to see. Let me interrupt. About yeah. how long does it take you to put all this gear on? Uh, probably like 20 minutes. 15, 20, half hour, depends on how much we're chit-chatting with our friends, which. Okay. Yeah, no, no. And the, so, the yeah. social aspect's awesome, but this yeah. isn't just like, you know, slip the stuff on and go. It's, it's no, a, it's, it's not a like process. warm water diving where you're just like wearing a wetsuit and that's it. And you just can run into the ocean super fast. Or like when you do tropical diving, you only have like maybe six pounds of lead. Like you don't wear anything. It's crazy. Okay. Um, here we, we wear so much weight because of the undergarments we're wearing and the dry suits, you need extra weight to sink in the ocean because you're so buoyant. Um, so I wear like 24, 24 pounds of lead. Um, so what is your boyfriend, what is your boyfriend, uh -huh. uh, What? how much lead does he? I think he's like 30 pounds of lead. Okay, so, so it is kind of based on ratio of, of yeah, I would wear, I would wear more than you would wear, you would yeah. wear more than a child would wear. Yeah, because he's like 6'3", he's a big tall guy, um, and yes, and he has a bigger tank too. His tank is like, I use the high-pressure 117 steel tank, which is pretty big. Like, most of my friends use steel 80s, but I like to have a lot of extra air for emergency, mm -hmm. um, and I like to do like 90-minute dives and stay down longer. Um, and yeah, my boyfriend uses like a 133, which is like the hugest tank. It's crazy. I could barely lift that thing up. Um, but yeah, I got some pretty good scuba guns. And I'm 
Okay. Uh, lifting all the dive gear um but it's so fun so yeah then you waddle to the beach basically like a penguin like you should just i feel like if you want a good entertaining time just drive by redondo beach on a thursday night and watch all the divers just like shuffling into the ocean so how many um, on average how many divers do this redondo on thursday oh we have a really good turnout on thursday nights all we usually have about 15 divers there probably okay uh, hit or miss it depends on the time of the year um sure. in the summer when it's six skills season the sharks come out in august the whole parking lot is packed with divers. Like it's amazing. Um, and the visibility is terrible because the plankton blooms in the summer, but, and there's sharks down there, but everybody wants to see a six scale. So it's just really cool. Um, in the winter when huh. it's like the best visibility and it's like so cold outside, we love that because um, the parking lot's empty. So we can park wherever we want. Um, and we're maniacs because it's like 30 degrees outside and we're headed into the ocean to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> um but okay. the water temperature is like 43 to 45 something right right now um in the summer it gets about 50 on the top so um it's pretty consistent it's not like i don't know it, it doesn't change it doesn't fluctuate too much so you always kind of know like if, if you wear the right clothes like you don't get too cold underwater just mostly my hands after okay. an hour i can barely move my fingers i'm like okay it's probably time to go <laughs> so you so. using your words you waddle. Yes, yes, we waddle Sorry. to the waddle into the ocean, holding my camera in one hand, and so let me stop you. Let's st camera. stop. What's the camera? What's what are oh, you? Yeah. It's not so like you're I walking need... in with your iPhone. You're... No, I should show you. I should show you my camera. But it's a it's a Nikon camera. Uh, it's a DSLR, and then I have a big, huge housing for it underwater, mm -hmm. so it's waterproof. Um, right. And then it has big, huge strobes like flashes, right? And the big arms, so you can move your arms all around to adjust your lighting, so you don't. You can uh, get the shadows where you want it on your sea creature and try to get rid of the backscatter. And um, are you using just a, a standard Nikon? Uh, uh, Nikon um, D7200, yeah. And then I, I use okay. a macro lens, 60 millimeter macro. And then I also mm -hmm. have a flip diopter on there so I can get super zoom so okay. that the little sea creatures look extra big. Um, so, so the 7200 is not all that heavy of a camera. Uh, yes. I mean, once you have all the, all the stuff well, on there, it probably weighs about... I don't know, probably 15, 20 pounds. I have a D750, which, oh, so yeah. it's, I was thinking, I was wondering if you were going in with something like, like a D750, a D850, uh -huh. you know, one of the, yeah, your, I used to have it. I used your to have scuba guns would be bigger because you'd be lifting, a, you know, 25 pounds worth of gear. Yeah. I okay. went from a D300 to a D7200 and I feel like it's a little lighter, but, um, oh. Yeah, so, after you have all the huge strobes and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't really, the actual camera body doesn't really make too much of a difference. So, so, so you're, um, do you do you, every single dive, are you taking the camera in? Yeah, unless I'm doing cleanup dives. Um, okay. So I do, I like to do cleanup dives a lot and, to clean up the ocean because especially and, at Redondo, I see so much garbage. So and we're going to come back to that, that yeah. one. We're going to yeah. say, but so, so for, for your recreational dives, yeah. let's, um, you, you always take the camera. Yeah, okay. I always take the camera. Um, and then uh, my boyfriend, Eric, does wide angle mostly, and I'm usually on macro. So um, I okay. could be the dive model in his pictures, which is okay. nice because then I get he takes pictures of me. And I usually sometimes put my camera down underwater, which is kind of crazy if there's current. But um, make oh. sure it doesn't fly away. Put the camera down because he doesn't like me to be holding the camera in the pictures. <laughs> uh, okay. I know. We were just at like this place called Skookumchuck Rapids last weekend, the world's fastest current. But we were there on a very calm day because the, the moon was in the right spot. Everything was aligned. Um, and he's like, put the camera down. And I was like really hesitant. I'm like, okay, we'll put it down. Like find a patch of rock with like no life on it. Stick your camera there. Make sure it doesn't float away. 
and then I'll like swim over and be the dive model and pose with the okay. jellyfish or whatever. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah, it's All really right. fun. So let me ask you this uh, on a typical day at Redondo, yeah. you've got 15 people. Yeah. How many of them are taking their cameras in? Uh, most of our friends. So we have a group on Facebook called Thursday Night Diving at Redondo. We're mostly underwater photographers, but okay. uh, some people will show up without a camera too, um, just to dive. Um, and that's fine. And then, uh, but usually we're all like camera geeks. So we're always like comparing cameras and like right. taking notes and like try to help each other out. Like, oh, we want okay. to just our, so this is our not just this way. This is not just, you know, I don't want to say record. It is recreation. I mean, like that, but it's, you're also adding another layer to all of this gear. You're yeah. also adding another layer of awareness that you need because not only are you trying to watch your oxygen, be, yeah. be aware of what, in your environment is as far as your safety yes. now you got a camera and you're now trying to frame the Look shot yes, and find and find the, the the thing you want to you know take a picture of right. yeah and right. so um my boyfriend uh he's been diving like 20 years like way longer than me so when i first started up he he's like i will let you borrow my camera but not until you have 100 dives first so that you know like Make okay. sure you know what you're doing. You got everything dialed in because as soon as you have that camera, like your, your skills go out the window, like your buddy skills, like you, right. you don't know where your buddy is anymore. Cause you're like looking at this little fish and then you look up and you're like, where did they go? Um, so it's, okay. yeah, it's a whole other layer of like, um, okay. awareness definitely. And so he waited till like, I had all my skills dialed in and, um, that's also why we use pony bottles, like the extra air that we sling. So it's a whole other separate tank. Mm -hmm. um, that I clip on right under my arm. Um, so that if any problem happens with my main regulator or tank, I have a backup right there that I can switch to. I don't have to go like find a buddy and be like, right. I'm out of air. Give me your air. Right. Um, right. And so we all do that since we're photographers, we all have pony bottles. Um, okay. yeah. Right. And so, okay. Oh yeah. So back to the story. So we waddle into the beach. So usually we split up Redondo is kind of two different dive sites in one. Mm -hmm. Um, so out by the mass aquarium, um, is kind of like where most of the, uh, divers go like classes and um there's like an old a couple uh shipwrecks like boat wrecks down there sunken boat at the carousel boats at, down at 90 feet um and there's like an old observation pipe so a lot of people go that way we actually go to the south of the boat rent boat launch side which is not technically the dive site but we call it lumpy land and that's where the lump suckers are usually hanging out and they're very shallow they're in like 15 feet of water even sh or even less um, but I usually look for them towards the end of the dive. So we'll dive down probably to like 70 or 80 feet. There's an old bottle filled out. There were thousands of bottles. Hmm. Um, cause there used to be a pier out there and I guess everybody would just throw all of their bottles off the pier. And so there's bottles everywhere and, um, all the sea creatures like to hide in them. So there's always like little octos in the bottles or little, uh, grunt sculpins, which are super cute fish, um, gunnels, which are long fish that kind of almost look like snakes, but they have like little smiley faces. Um, so yeah, we'll swim down to the bottle filled at about 80 feet, do that for a while, and then come up the slope a little bit. There's three rock piles um, that we call Bob's Reef, which he was one of my dive instructors, Bob Bailey. Um, he lived just down the street from Redondo, and he would sneak out there in the middle of the night and just move rocks from land and like build big rock piles. Um, and all the sea creatures really love them. So okay. like sometimes you'll find octos down there, rockfish. Um, they like structure. Because okay. usually there's not too much underwater structure on that side of it. Um, and then we'll go up shallower to about 15, 20 feet and start looking for lump suckers on like every single rock or every single piece of kelp. You just go super slow with your flashlight and you look and see if like anything's moving. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's just like, 
you, okay. and every dive is different. Like you just never know what sea creature you're going to find. And um, depending on the time of the year, different things are blooming, like nudibranch will be in season or, or like the pinpoint gunnels will come out. Um, so I don't know, it's just, it's really fun. Like this is one of my other favorite fish uh, that I found at Redondo. This is the pinpoint gunnel. And he was actually up towards the surface. It almost looked like he was like moon gazing or snorkeling. So I got okay. his reflection in the water column, which was pretty cool. That's very cool. It's like this bright green fish. And so. Interesting. Yeah, you just, every dive is just, you so, never know what you're going to get. So it's really fun. So how long on a Thursday night is the typical dive? Do you, I think you said, is it yeah. an hour and a half? Uh, usually an hour, hour to 90 minutes. Um, the We usually try to do maybe 70 because if it's like a really epic dive, but then by the time we come up, we go straight after work and we don't eat dinner. And then we're like chatting for so long. We probably get in the water at seven, get out of the water at eight, take all our gear off about eight 30. Um, and we usually get to the pub at nine. We go to an Irish pub after the dive. So that's okay. the dive too. Um, and yeah, so we're eating dinner at like 10 o'clock at night. So we're like so hungry by the time we get there. Um, Okay. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And um, and then a lot of times when it's uh, warmer weather out, we'll actually bar barbecue at the beach after the dive. So okay. we'll bring all of our dive gear plus our barbecue um, and everybody will bring side dishes. And Eric's usually the barbecue master. So we'll do like T-bone steak tacos one time. Those I don't eat seafood because they're my friends. But sometimes uh, like when it's crab season, some people, divers will go catch crabs and then mm -hmm. they'll just like boil the crabs right there. So we had T-bone steak tacos with crab, Dungeness crab right, right there. Um, and then uh, we'll also do like burgers or whatever. So it's really nice when the summer is out. So we can just barbecue right there at the beach. It's really great. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to reevaluate my position here. You know, earlier in the episode, yeah. I said, eh, this is not my, but to, to kind of recap from my yeah. lens, what I'm hearing, what, what's sticking in my head is uh -huh. a coffee. Yes. Um, B photography, which is, I, I collect cameras. I uh -huh. thinking I'm going oh, to use cool. them, but you know, yeah. no, no, I don't collect them like a collector. I go, Oh, this yeah. would be good. I could use this. So I kind of get, you know, yeah. just accumulate them is a better word. Yes. That's accumulate. good. Um, and then now we're talking T-bone steak tacos. Um, yes, if you delicious. look at me, if you look, if you look at me, I mean, I don't miss <laughs> many meals. I'm, I'm starting to reevaluate. And plus, it's exercise. For a taco, you're it's, totally invited. Yeah, it's it's an exercise. I mean, so I could be, you know, this is I could be exercising, huh? Yes. So, in all seriousness, though, yeah. How much physical work is this? Say for an hour, an hour. Um. I mean, yeah, I mean, just getting in and out of the water is definitely the most exercise part of okay. it. Once you're in the water, you're weightless. There's no gravity. You're just right. you're just floating around. Um, your fins are very powerful. So if there's any current, you can just swim so fast. And um, so I wouldn't I mean, I really, really gain nice. a lot of exercise. It's not a ton of exercise unless like there's a lot of current and you're like fighting the current, like you're swimming into it pretty hard. That'll that'll tire you out for sure. Um, but for the most part, we we plan the dives with the tides and the currents so that we're not like going into anything crazy. Okay. You definitely want to check that before you go in. Um, and yeah, I think the I mean, sometimes when we dive Deception Pass, that's like a whole other story or or Sunrise Beach, that's like mountain climbing. So like you're you're doing a switchback of gear or like down the hill and back up the hill with all your dive gear on. So that's definitely more of a workout. Redondo is a very easy entry. You just walk down a nice flight of stairs right into the water. So it's super easy. Okay. Um, if you're if you're lucky enough to go on, on a dive boat, that's really great too. But then just climbing back up the ladder with your dive gear on is kind of tiring, but then okay. you just sit down and you're, you're fine. So, so it's, it's, not, it's not too bad. Okay. So 
because this is all about Washington State, and because yeah. there's a, we, I do have a, we have a completely rel, a related but different topic I want to cover. But so let me ask okay. you some of the type of questions I ask guests. So when it comes to scuba diving, where's your favorite dive in Washington? Oh man, that's such a hard question because I there's so many top ones, but. I think Deception Pass is my number one. Um, it's a very advanced dive site, but it's just beautiful down there. Everything is uh, just bright pink. There's huge tube worms. Um, there's just so much life there. And um, so that's probably my favorite, but it's very challenging dive. Um, and so you want to plan it just right. If you can't go to uh, Deception Pass, my next favorite would probably be Keystone on Woodby Island. I just okay. love going to Keystone. It's an amazing dive site. Um, there's a, it's right next to the ferry that goes to Port Townsend. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a big, huge jetty, like a big rock pile. And underwater, all of those rocks are just covered with life. So they're like pink and orange and yellow, like all these sponges, little tunicates growing on there. The whole top uh, layer of surface is uh, a field of plumose anemones, which look like big, huge cauliflowers or something, like these big, mm-hmm. long white anemones with a puffy flower at the top. Um, and then it's a no fishing zone. So there's actually some fish there, which is really great. So there's usually like a nice school of rockfish um, and big, huge lingcods. I call them megalings or lingzilla. Sometimes these lingcods are like five or six feet long, like just huge fish sitting on the bottom. And it's just so funny to see these big fish and they're just chilling out, like sitting there. And um, sometimes they'll have a uh, like it's like going to the dentist it's like a cleaning station so they'll be sitting there with their mouth wide open with these big sharp teeth in there mm-hmm. and you'll see these little sculpins these little cute fish and they'll go jump inside the lincod's mouth and eat the stuff in there like parasites or whatever and then just jump out and um yeah so it's just it's a really great dive site keystone is amazing okay. um and then also another really good one that i have a huge love-hate relationship with because it always tries to kill me but it's so beautiful is salt creek that's out by port angeles mm-hmm um that's it's at a campsite so it's just like a really beautiful park um and there it has a really nice kelp forest okay so you have to like climb down these super slippery rocks to get in um and it's usually pretty wavy there so it's kind of hard because it's like a three i don't know it's like a four hour drive to get there um and if you get you get all the way there and then there's big waves you can't dive it so then you're like oh man um but if it's perfect if it's perfect conditions it's just like so beautiful because there's these big huge fish-eating anemones these big bright red anemones um and sometimes you're really lucky and you can see sunflower stars there um which are now an endangered species um but that's like one of the places we can see them is there or also i really love to dive out at cq which is like almost almost in Bay. it's like out on the peninsula mm-hmm. um that's another nice really nice kelp forest um so yeah just okay those are my some of my favorite places um they all all just have different sea creatures and so it's just kind of like well which one are we lucky enough to see um at at salt creek one of our most favorite fish it's um we call them Rocky. I call them the leprechaun of the sea. Um, but that's this one. I'm showing you all my pictures from my wall here. But this is, um, Eric took this picture. This is Rocky, the rock greenling. Okay. Um, so they're bright red and you can't really see right here, but their fins are like yellow and green and orange. Oh. Um, and there's, and like, you wouldn't think this fish would be so camouflaged because they like to hang out in this green grass and they're a bright red fish, but like, man, they're hard to find. They are. But as okay. soon as you as soon as you shine your flashlight on them, the color will come out. And these guys like to stay very shallow, but they love the surf zone. So they love it when it's really wavy or wherever the most surge is. Okay. They're just going like this. And so you're trying to like take a picture. So you go with the surge and take like one picture and then the surge will like pull you away. And then you're like, Oh, I got to go back. And then, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. All right. So 
two other scuba questions about yeah. places. Um, now, this putting you on the spot with this, I'm going to ask you to be a little negative. What's the most overrated place to go dive? Um, I think Cove 2. I mean, I know everybody loves Cove 2 in Alki, uh, West Seattle. That's mm -hmm. where most divers learn to dive. Sure. Um, and it's a very beautiful view when you come up and down, like the whole Seattle skyline is right, right. there. I love it's really nice, but um, it's just really sad because it's so polluted and there's not very many sea creatures there. Okay. Um, it's very hit or miss. And so it's very easy training site. Um, but I don't know, like when I go, I go, I usually go to places with like high current. So there's like, a t I'm a total snob now because like I go, I like to go places where there's like tons of sea creatures in life. And then you go to a cove too. And it's just like so much garbage down there. Um, there's like old railroad tracks, like um, just so much stuff. And it's like covered in like brown slime. So it's not the best. I don't know. It's okay. That's, that's... I, I did see baby octopus hatch there once. So that was pretty magical. Oh. Um, so it just depends on what you're lucky enough to see. They do have giant Pacific octopus there. Um, and it's very easy for, it's a very easy place to learn. That's where I, I did my first day of open water. Um, and I, I learned during seafare. So I remember like the blue angels flew over us when we were huh. getting in the water. So that was really cool. Um, and I started when I learned to dive in 2014, that's right when the sea star wasting disease started. Um, so all of our sea stars started dying. Um, but I was lucky enough to actually see some sea stars, um, in the class, like there were sea stars everywhere. And like, we passed them around just my instructor was like, Hey, look at these. Um, now, like if you see one sea star per dive, you're like happy. So, um, it's pretty depressing. Um, another one that I think is a little overrated is Edmonds. Um, it's a really nice dive. It's an underwater park, so it's really nice, but it's like, I, I think it's just because I'm lazy. That's why I don't like it as much because it's a lot of swimming to swim out to the buoy. <laughs> so there's your exercise. Like you have to surface okay. swim and it's, I don't know why there's always so much current at Edmonds. It's right by the ferry terminal. Um, so you're scared that if there's too much current, you might get swept into the ferry lane and then you'll get a very expensive ticket. So, um, it's just a little, okay. a little sketchy when you're there. So you just want to drop underwater and not end up by the ferry um but it's a lot of swimming and it's it doesn't get very deep it gets to like 30 maybe 40 feet if you're lucky so okay um but yeah it's it's nice though once you're out there once you're out there it's great it's just getting in and out it's just a very long swim okay so now once again a negative question what are you most afraid of with I am most regards afraid to diving of yeah, I'm not afraid of any of the sea creatures. Mm -hmm. No, that's probably surprising. I was so excited when I saw my very first six scale shark. I saw my very first shark on my eight year anniversary of diving at like 85 feet of, at Redondo. It was amazing. I am most scared of the lack of sea creatures lately. Like I've just been noticing way less fish and it's just okay. so sad. And um, and there's 500,000 tires in the Puget Sound that the government sunk in the 1970s to make artificial fishing reefs. And the tires are leaching chemicals and it's actually harming all of the sea creatures. Um, yeah. And so I think that what scares me is just how much garbage I'm seeing down there and the, the, the lack of like over these years that I've been diving just way less sea creatures in life. And it's just pretty sad. Um, and so I'm just trying to bring this awareness of like what we're seeing down there and trying to clean it up and get it out of there and help, help these amazing, amazing fish and animals that need our help. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, I guess I'm scared of like boats going overhead, but usually you're aware of that cause you can hear them, but why, um, why, why would you be scared of, I, I mean, if you're close to the boat, like the prop yeah, or something, but what? If you're close to the boat, just at Redondo, because we dive right by the boat launch. So when you're mm -hmm. getting out, you just want to make sure like a boat's not going to like run you over if you're sh super shallow or something. But okay. right. other than that, no, like, 
I'm not really scared of anything underwater of the sea creatures, just of the, the lack of life and the garbage I'm seeing. Okay. Well, that lets us segue into you had mentioned to me when we talked on the phone, uh, you do a lot of cleanup dives. Yeah. On the surface, no pun intended, that makes perfect sense. You're, you're diving and you're, you're removing garbage from, from wherever it is you're diving. But I'm curious about how, I mean, how are you, what type of garbage are you guys removing? Yeah. How do you go about doing it? And have you had any, are there any like regulations? Like are, does, does the county um, or city get in the way? I mean, not in the way, but do they require? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. Apparently like I, I mean, we just go for fun. We just bring like a tote bag down with us or like a big blue Ikea bag and mm -hmm. we'll just fill that up. Um, and then after the dive, so we won't take our cameras. We'll just take like one or two bags with us because they mm -hmm. get very heavy on the way up full of water. And as soon as you get to the beach, you dump the water out and then you, um, we, we usually dump all of our garbage on a big tarp so we can see what we found down there. Okay. But, um, mostly we're seeing, and we usually do our cleanup dives at Redondo because there's just so much garbage there. I think because of the boat launch, I think a lot of boaters come, um, right before they bring their boat back on land, they just throw everything overboard. Mm. Um, also there's so many golf balls down there, like crazy <laughs> amount of golf balls. And so I think that people are just shooting golf balls off the boardwalk. Mm -hmm. Um, and then another thing that is just like everywhere, which is so sad and depressing is all this yard waste we're seeing. Like we think people are dumping truckloads of yard waste, like, um, there's all these plant plastic plant ID cards that tell you like how much to water your flowers or whatever. There's like wow. just everywhere, thousands of them. And then all these bark chips and mulch um, that are in the garden, like they're dumping them off the boat launch and you can just see like all of the like downslope. It's usually just rocks and gravel and stuff. You can see all this mulch and bark just coming from the boat launch down deeper. And then the current spreads it everywhere. And so it's just covering up the whole entire dive site now. Um, mm. And the sea creatures don't like it. And that, that wood is anaerobic. So it like takes some of the oxygen now and it's just, it's not good for the animals. And so, and there's no easy way to get the bark out. There's just like, I mean, just thousands of pounds of that stuff down there. And so I'll fill my bag up as much as I can. Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's not even making a dent, but I usually just try to take out as much plastic as I can find. There's so much plastic down there. And then beer cans everywhere, aluminum cans. Um, I usually leave the glass bottles because the, the animals like to hide in those. Mm -hmm. Anything plastic or metal I'll take out because the metal is very easy to recycle. So there's some, so much, um, there are like fishing gear, fishing hooks everywhere, crab pots. Um, and I don't know what the deal is with the toilet bowls, but there's toilet bowls at most of the dive sites. Like who is putting toilet bowls in the ocean? I don't really know, but there's toilet bowls everywhere, which is so gross. Um, like another day I was dive, dive, doing a night dive and there's like all these shrimp running around in the toilet. And I'm like, oh, no, no. no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, just oh, shoes, thousands of shoes, like from years ago, like it's just shoe soles that are left now. Um, and I think just oh, oh, plastic forks, spoons, straws, ketchup packets, like all of these. Um, I think a lot of people eat their food on the beach and then they just leave their garbage there and then the tide comes and it takes it down. Um, and then also I think that the current, there's like a flat spot at Redondo and I think that's where most of the garbage ends up. So it might just be moving in from other areas and just kind of lands there. Okay. Um, but yeah, just so much plastic. And one time the creepiest thing I ever found in the ocean was a pair of fake teeth. It was like some dentures. 
on a night dive. That was super terrifying. <laughs> I find my flashlight on there and I'm like, what is this? Like, why are there teeth down here? And then I'm like looking around for the rest of the body. I'm like, this is so scary. Um, and then the, the craziest part. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put these in my bag and like take these out. And I get out and I'm like telling all my friends, I'm like, I found teeth, you guys. And then it, we dumped it out to look at all of our stuff and the teeth were missing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did they like swim out of my bag? Like, where did they go? Um, and then two weeks later, I found them again on another cleanup dive. So I made sure I got them out, like closed my bag really good. And I got pictures of the teeth and they were next to the floss, like little flosser sticks too. Like there's so many of those little, you know, little plastic individual flossers. Um, they're everywhere. And toothbrushes. I don't know if people are like brushing their teeth on their boats and they just throw their toothbrush over that. I don't really know where all this stuff's coming from, but um, all right. it's, it's just crazy. So so the creepiest thing you found, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, I, I'm gonna go with, you know, teeth yeah. for two hundred. Um, I think creepy, it, it, fake teeth dentures. Okay, so yeah. have you guys ever found anything cool? Uh, yeah. Um, my friend found a box of burn money, <laughs> so that was random off the at Muckleteo, right off the ferry launch. There, we always dive by ferry boats. Um, uh -huh. we don't know the story of that, but he found a box that was like when he opened it up, there was some cash inside that was like halfway burned. Uh -huh. but he was actually able to cash in some of. I think he got like eight hundred dollars. Um, another wow. day we found a little glass bottle that had a dollar inside. Like, so, I mean, found money in the ocean. Um, I found a little mermaid statue. I found a little Pikachu. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. else? I, I found a mirror down there, which is really weird. Like a big, huge mirror that was actually really heavy to get out. And it had like a hex or something creepy, like carved into it. I don't really know what the deal was with that. Um, okay. Oh, another really funny was I found a broom. <laughs> and so I'm like coming out with my bag of my big huge heavy bag of garbage and I'm like holding this broom and there's this guy at the boat launch and he's like that's my broom like I was looking for that <laughs> so I reunited him with his broom um uh lots of cell phones but those like those are I mean that's in the salt water that's dead yeah. um I yeah huh okay yeah no, I mean just random just so much random junk down there it's just so weird but yeah so many golf balls and so Okay. Uh, I wish that golf balls were made out of like kelp fruits. Well, or but something the thing is, the, the thing is, though, I'm going to help you out here. I, I got a yeah. couple. I got a couple of ideas for you. Number okay. one, golf balls can be sold. So if you collect enough of them, go to the local driving range and they'll. Yeah. You, you can sell golf balls. Really? People, I mean, people buy them for like a there. buck a golf ball. Really? Yeah, because okay. you know. So, and what a lot of people do is put them in a cartons. I'm not sure they sell like 12, 12 yeah. golf balls for oh. ten or twelve bucks. Okay. So there's. Okay. So, you know, if you do that enough, you can maybe get yeah. a tank of gas or not gas air. Okay. Um, number two, the metal, you can recycle it. That's, yeah. that's all good. So that's all good. All of that's, that's good. Um, uh, those are my two ideas for that. Yeah. And then just, oh my gosh, the other day I got a tire out of the ocean. I mean, there's 500,000 down there, but I got, I wanted to get one test tire out to take mm -hmm. around to tire recycling places to see if it like, Hey, when we get these 500,000 tires out, um, the, I think it's Department of Ecology. They just want to put it in a hazardous waste landfill. Um, mm -hmm. They don't think they can recycle them. And since I'm in the recycling industry now, I'm like, okay, there's got to be somebody that can recycle these tires. Um, my boss knows somebody in India that can do it, but then we would have to like ship them in a container all the way to India. So I'm like, it'd be great if we could find somebody local. So I got one tire out, which was so hard. I was like rolling this tire up the hill <laughs> with my bag of garbage <laughs> in the other hand. Uh, um, and I got it out and it's full of barnacles. Like the only thing that grows on tires is barnacles. And okay. so it had like one sea star. I took the sea star off and put on a, on a rock pile. Um, and I got it out and then I've been calling all these tire recycle places and they're like, we can't take it since it has barnacles on it. 
the heck? Like, what are we going to do with all these 500,000 tires? So um, maybe they do have to go to the hazardous waste landfill. I don't know. It's pretty sad. And that's seven bucks a tire. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. So that's if, if you know, there's, there's a whole nother, you know, obstacle is if you got 500,000 tires, it's seven bucks a tire. Yeah. That's expensive. A lot. Well, is, yeah. I mean, the government's the one that put them down there. They should be paying to get them back out. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, so it's three and a half million. You would think you'd get a little bit of a discount if you brought in yeah. half, a, half a million tires, but I am of the opinion as well uh, that whoever put them there, if they, sh they should be responsible for, the disposal of getting them out. Okay. Yeah. So right. I'm part of the, um, I'm part of a team of divers called the Washington scuba Alliance. Um, and so that one of their main missions is getting the tires out. And so what they're doing right now is they have, um, a boat there that they're teamed up with that has a side, uh, side scanner and sonar and it has an underwater ROV, which is like an underwater drone, which is super cool. And so they'll put that down and they'll like, it, they use like a PlayStation joystick to drive this underwater drone around with big lights on and, They'll go and they'll map where all the tire piles are because when the government sunk them, they didn't actually like keep track of where all these tires are. And then over all the years, like the bundles have broken up. So the tires are scattered all over. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing right now is just like um, marking them on maps. Like every time we see a, some tires, like documenting it so that when they actually get the funding and figure out after these 50 years of talking about it, actually do something, mm -hmm. then they know where the tires are. Um, gotcha. And another thing that they're going to do is if they get the crane to lift up these um, tires up and they just like hover off the boat in like five or 10 feet of water, then we can dive down there shallow. And, and if there's any sea creatures, like an anemone or sea star, take it off mm -hmm. before they, they pull it out just so we can save those um, sea creatures. So yeah. that's what the Washington Scuba Alliance is doing. Um, they just do a lot of uh, buoy maintenance and critter, remo critter removal if like they know that they're going to be pulling pilings out of a dive site or, or a, um, not a dive site, like a marina or whatever. They'll just take the critters off and relocate them. Okay. Um, and anybody can join, even if you're not a diver, it's $25 for the year. Um, and it, the money just goes towards, um, this kind of stuff, helping the sea creatures. So okay. you, um, you mentioned just a minute ago that you are now in the recycling industry. Oh yeah. Well, let's, you're doing something kind of interesting there. So let's, let's, I'd like you to share that. Okay. Thanks. Um, so I used to work at Evergreen Shipping for 15 years. That's the job that brought me out here. And um, working there, I shipped so much. Um, our top exports are like waste paper, metal scrap, plastic scrap, and then the raw commodities. Um, and so all of that stuff we would ship to Asia and they would like recycle it for us, turn the paper into cardboard boxes, turn the metal into like your old cans into a bicycle or whatever, or into a new can or your steel um, okay. into a car. Anyway, so I, I saw the whole circle of recycling that way, and I was doing that for so long. Um, one of my favorite customers, that's how I, I met my new uh, business partner, Brad, um, he shipped used car batteries, or he still does, to Korea to be recycled. And he was always the nicest guy. He never yelled at me, which is very rare in shipping. It's a very, um, I don't know what the deal is with people. They get very angry and worked up about uh, container delays or out of containers or the ship is too early, the ship is too late. Um, <sighs> people are just freaking out at me of stuff I have no control over. And so I was like, it's like I 15 years. I'm like, if I don't leave now, I'm going to be here forever. And I knew I wanted to change, but I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew I wanted to help the oceans and I wanted to help with this garbage. I keep seeing all this garbage. And I'm like, like, this is the time to make a change. The sea stars are dying. Like the ocean needs our help. And so I was chatting with Brad and I showed him a picture of um, my, from my cleanup dive. And he's like, 
you know, all of that metal can be recycled, right? And I'm like, I know the cans, like I grew up in Utah where they don't recycle anything, it sucks. Um, I didn't even know about a scrapyard really. Like I knew I shipped scrap metal, but I didn't really know about scrapyards when I grew up in Utah. So people would just pay to take all of their garbage to the landfill. And meanwhile, they could go down the street to the scrapyard that actually pay you for it. And so I was like, this is amazing. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm the only one that didn't know about this or a lot of people didn't know about it. And so that's what inspired me to ask him. I'm like, well, are you like, are you hiring? Like, and he's like, I would hire you in a minute to run my shipping department. But is that what you want to do with your life? And I'm like, no, I want to help the oceans. I want to help the planet. I don't even know what this job is, though. And he's like, that's pretty interesting because I feel the same way. And, I, and I'm like, I know it has to start with kids. I think that if we can teach little kids um, about recycling and taking care of our planet, then they're going to teach their parents. And so he's like, well, this is amazing because I already had this uh, story idea written out. Uh, for a book called The Girl Who Recycled One Million Cans based off his daughter, Ellie. And so he hired me and we started a new company. It's called Scrap University Kids. So we're teaching kids that all metal can be recycled. And we wrote a kid's book um, called The Girl Recycled One Million Cans. And it's about Ellie and this little girl. She loves unicorns and she finds out she can get 10 cents per aluminum can that she recycles at her scrapyard or uh, they actually live up in Canada where they have like a really amazing deposit system where you can just go to a vending machine and put your can and you get your 10 cents. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So Ellie and her sister are just hanging out and they just see cans everywhere. And so um, the first line of the book um, says, hi, I'm Ellie. Uh, my daddy has been teaching me about recycling. He told me to look for aluminum cans so we can help save the planet. Um, and then we have a really cute little adorable a uh, magnet sp- spokesperson named Mr. Ferris Naglio. And he says that um, cans are 100% recyclable. And so he's just like this adorable mascot. Um, and um, he's on every page of the book giving little recycling facts. So here's my magnet of uh, my picture of Mr. Magnet Naglio. And he loves to hang around the fridge giving out recycling tips. Hang around um, the fridge. So, anyways, Ellie's on this journey to recycle. Uh, she decides she wants to recycle a million cans so she could buy a unicorn. Um, and then my other co-author Shazia, she's an elementary school teacher. So we got some math equations in our book. So she's like sitting here on every couple of pages, counting her cans to see how many she needs to get to a million. And she decides she needs help. So she gets her whole school involved and they're doing a, a can okay. recycling event. Um, so it's just really cute. And, um, towards the end of the book, they're, they're getting all these cans, but she's having a hard time finding a unicorn. And so she's like talking to her mom and she's like, mommy, I don't know like where to get a unicorn. And her mom's like, you know, I haven't seen one either. You might want to think about changing your goal. So she goes outside and it's a really hot day. And she's like, you know what? It would be really great if we had a swimming pool. So they kind of change their goal and they decide to, to get um, with all the, they actually get, they recycle their million cans. They get a lot of money and they actually uh, donate a swimming pool to their school. So all, they can all play together and learn to scuba dive in their pool. Um, and she also gets a, her unicorn floaty. So it's really cute. Unicorn floaty. Awesome. Um, so I just decided that I'm like, hey, like I know whenever I do my cleanup dives and I put all this garbage out on the tarp out right by the aquarium where I dive, there's always a lot of little kids in the parking lot and they'll always just run over and start looking at all of the stuff we're seeing. And they're like, where did you get this? And I'm like, right there in the ocean. And so um, I feel like I wanted to bring this awareness. Like I don't want it to be doom and gloom or anything for little right. kids. I want to make it fun and happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my crazy idea is that since a lot of people don't know about a scrapyard or they're kind of like lazy or busy or set in their ways. They don't have time to drive over there. I'm like, well, how about we have scrapyards bring a bin to the, their local elementary school in town mm-hmm. um, so that 
everybody in town can bring their metal to the school parking lot, fill up the bin, and then when it's full, they take it away, they weigh it, and they give the money from that metal to the school for school supplies because okay. all metal has value. So we want to just teach kids like, hey, it's not going to be a ton of money, but it's worth something and it's for a good cause. And um, if we make it super easy for them to recycle, there's like no reason not to. Um, so that's, oh, that's... Just kind of what we're doing is we're trying to like teach kids never, ever, ever throw a can in the garb in the garbage ever again. And um, and also if you have the option to say no to plastic and choose metal instead, like first reduce as much as possible. Like, do you really need to buy the thing that's covered in like 30 wrappers of plastic um, and just reuse everything you can um, reduce what you're buying. And then if you do have to buy something, buy the metal option and then take it to your local scrap here and cash it in. You can actually make some money. Right. So, yeah. That's just what we're doing now. I just. And are, are you going around to schools in person yeah. and, and delivering this message? Yeah. So I've gone around to a couple, I think, I mean, we just started this company. I just had my one year anniversary. I think I've read at four schools so far. Um, and I, I've been setting up metal recycling events. So I did the first one at my friend's school out Ocean Shores, Washington, mm -hmm. like very on the very coast. And the yep. closest scrapyard was in Aberdeen, which is where Nirvana is from. Uh, it was an hour and a half drive. And I called the scrapyard and I'm like, hey, this is what we want to do. And they were willing to donate the bin and all of their trucking and everything. This is when gas was like $6 a gallon. And they brought the bin and they left it there for a month in the school parking lot. Um, and they recycled 1,000 pounds of metal in one month. And the mm -hmm. kids actually voted on what they wanted to do with the money. Right. I thought they were going to have like a pizza party or something, but they actually voted to donate the money to a charity for pets to help the cats and dogs. So I thought that was super cute. Wow. Um, and I just helped a school in Pittsburgh um, set up a recycle event, and okay. they recycled. Uh, holy cow! Hold on, let me just double check my numbers here before I tell you more. I didn't drink all of the coffee again. What? <laughs> what? I know, right? Um, my gosh! It was like uh, four thousand pounds of metal in one day. Wow. Okay. <laughs> So well, it, Pittsburgh is the Iron City, so I mean, it, you know, they've got yeah, metal. There. Yeah, and they uh, they actually made a CBS News with their green team. It was so cute. These little kids are on the news talking about all the different kinds of metal that could be recycled, like your your headphones, your USB chargers, like every like all your old wires have metal inside. A lot of people just throw those in the garbage, and so. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to like help people are very confused about recycling metal and stuff because like your blue bin says like, hey, you could put like cans, but you can't put in like your wire hangers, your tinfoil. And then people are like, well, if I can't recycle it, I'll just throw it away. Mm -hmm. Not like, no, save it, save all that metal and you can actually cash it in. So we're just yeah. trying to make recycling a little easier. And yeah, figured start with the kids and hopefully they can like change the ways of their parents and their grandparents. That's that's admirable. I really think that's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Thank you. It's so fun too. And it, like, I get like, thank you letters from these little kids and they're like so adorable. And they're like, thank you for teaching us about recycling. And yeah, so I go to school. Oh, and I bring magnets with me so they can tell if the metal is like ferrous or non-ferrous and just little games. We have like coloring pages and worksheets on our website that anybody can print off. And okay. so, yeah, I feel like it's just a lot of fun. If we can make it really fun and exciting for kids and not scary. Um, I think that's the way to help the planet. That's, and, that's very cool. I want to do like a cleanup dive book as one of my next books. So the kids are actually going to learn to scuba dive and go down there and see the sea creatures and see the garbage and help out the ocean. So very cool. For that one. So normally I ask my guests what they do when they're not doing the thing that we were talking about in your case, scuba cleanup and now recycling yeah. thing. But earlier on you, yeah. you, you, you kind of gave those answers. Uh, you used to oh. go to, a, you <laughs> used to go to a lot of concerts. I got a lot of concerts. You drink coffee. I do a lot, you're a, a lot you're, of coffee. You're a Trekkie. <laughs> 
So yes. let's just unpack those. Concerts, what yeah. type of music do you like? Uh, so I love, um, so I've seen Willie Nelson like 25 times. Okay. <laughs> I love Willie. I also really love like rock music. My favorite band is Snow Patrol from Ireland. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so I actually got to go see them play in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And I saw them in Dublin, um, okay. which is really fun. And I've seen them all over the U.S. Um, and I also like um, another band called the Jamestown Revival from Texas. They're actually coming here next Friday to Portland. So I'm going to drive down to Portland, see them. Um, I've heard that name. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. No, I've heard I the know. other names, but that one I was like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah, I think I, okay. <laughs> uh, so much. And then I, um, I mean, I've been to so many concerts. My dad, I, we, went, we got to go see The Who. I've seen The Who twice. Um, okay. Saw Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Saw, oh my gosh, I don't even know. I've been to so many concerts. It's so fun. Me and my little sister just love to go to concerts. And okay. we will road trip all around. Um, like I, I went and saw Snow Patrol at the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. That was really beautiful. Um and yeah, I don't know. And then I used to go to a lot of comedy shows because mm -hmm. in Bellevue, there used to be a really amazing comedy club right by my house called The Parlor. And so we would go for open mic night every Wednesday and just see the local comedians. Mm -hmm. And me and my sister were like the only non-comedians there. So we were like the fans. <laughs> and so then they, they like the hosts and everything, they would always get us free tickets to go see the headliners. So I got to see like Michael Winslow and just like uh, Jeff Dye, Adam Ray, like just so many amazing uh, comedians that are just hilarious. And so it's just such a good way to de-stress after work, especially if you're doing evergreen and getting yelled at all day. You just want to go laugh and right. have fun. Um, and then I love exploring, trying coffee shops. And um, yeah. Yes, and so that's, that's near favorite. and dear to my heart. Yeah. Did I get to tell you my favorite one? Have oh, you Bigfoot been there? Bigfoot Java. Mm -hmm. So they, it's a drive through coffee yep. shop. They're open 24 hours, which is fantastic. And yep. I love their coffee beans. Um, they use Delano's Coffee um, okay. Roaster down in Sumner, Washington. Yep. Um, and I actually got to go to Coffee Fest a few years ago. It was like a big, huge coffee expo in Seattle. Oh my gosh, it was like heaven. I was like so caffeinated. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> and I got to meet some of the growers uh, from Delano's. Like the farmers came up from Panama and Costa Rica and everything. And I got to meet them. And they were so nice. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love Delano so much. And so um, I like the organic uh, dark roast okay. coffee. Um, so what's your what's your coffee drink of choice? Do you just black coffee uh, just, or just just drip, just drip just coffee drip. with a little cream in it, no sugar. And then I like to have it with like a chocolate chip cookie or some sort of like okay. sweet treat on the snap on the side, maybe a piece okay. of cherry pie. <laughs> OK. All right. Well, uh, How about so, you? what's your favorite? I'm a uh, I. I Man, I, it's going to be awful to say this. So we're recording this on April 13th. Uh -huh. um, yesterday was my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Holy Thank God. you. Awesome. And uh, I was at the office and there was there needed to be a meeting that I didn't need to be involved with. So I was jokingly dismissed. And I went down to the local Starbucks and had a Frappuccino, which is almost embarrassing to admit yeah. I haven't had a Frappuccino in so long. And yeah. I was like, it sounded good. I mean, don't, yeah, sometimes, don't you, you, just, sometimes it, you just need that sweet drink. And it, like ice cream, but basically. honestly, it, it, it missed. And I'm not trying to be disparaging yeah. about Starbucks. It just missed. I used to like, I used yeah. to work for Starbucks back in the day when Frappuccinos first came out oh, yeah. and we could make them in the corporate offices and you uh -huh. know, we had all these things. And I liked them back then until I realized that, a uh, frappuccino had as many calories as a big mac yeah that's so was kind of like, in those things yeah anyway oh, man. so but my go-to uh -huh. my go-to is 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 drip coffee um yeah. if i can't have drip coffee uh -huh. i'll do an americano, americano. which is fine yeah but i do just, americano too like if they don't have drip, yeah. i'm like okay 
Yeah, but normally when they do an American places that don't do drip and then then they go, oh, I can do an Americano kind of yeah. is a, yeah, it's like it's never good. Yeah, it's never good. I usually get it iced. I don't know why for some reason it tastes better iced Americano. But my guilty pleasure for coffee and, uh-huh. and this is a Starbucks thing. I love yeah. their nitro cold brew with sweet cream. Oh, that's yeah. like drinking ice cream, and yeah. <laughs> um, I really like that a lot. But I'm I'm a I'm a brewed coffee, drip coffee. I use yeah. an AeroPress at home uh, to make oh, my coffee. Cool. Yeah, and so that's my go-to thing. But all right, yeah. so I've got two last questions for you as we okay. wrap this up. So two last questions. I'm going to reverse the order than I normally ask. Uh, so this is a very important question. Okay. Cake or pie? Pie, hundred percent. <laughs> well, okay, you, you cut me yeah. off. Oh, cake, sorry. Whoops. No, I'm kidding. Cake or pie, and why? Oh yeah, and why? So okay, so the problem is that I can't eat dairy, lactose-free uh, situation here, and so okay. I love pie because um, cake usually, I mean, cake's delicious, but it always has like whipped cream on top or like so much dairy attached, sure. and I love just a good old slice of like cherry pie or apple pie or peach pie, but yeah. Um, Okay. I just love pie with coffee. I think it tastes so good together. Um, oh, I mean, obviously a piece of nice dark chocolate cake with some. There's no coffee. wrong yeah. answer. There's oh, no wrong man. answer here. Yeah, that's good. Oh, and pumpkin yeah. pie. Oh my gosh. Oh no, that's, that's the wrong answer. Pumpkin. Okay, sorry. Oh. oh, you don't like it? No, I do not like what? pumpkin pie. No. <gasps> Holy moly, sad. No, and you know what's funny? <laughs> we ran a, We ran a, a jokingly. We ran a a, a poll yeah. on, on Explore Washington State. And pumpkin pie, yes or no? And uh-huh. I was, I had a, I had an opinion of what the answer was gonna be. Yeah. And it wasn't. I really? expected, it, I expected it to be like predominantly yes. Yeah. And pumpkin, we had like five hundred votes. Oh. And it was like fifty-five percent yes, forty-five percent no. I mean, it was I- like split. I think that also it really depends on where you get the pie from. There's such a huge range, especially in pumpkin pie. Like if you're just getting a Safeway Albertsons or something like a $2 pie, like that's just terrible. Don't no, even do it. No, Surprisingly, no. Costco pumpkin pie is really good. Even though it's like $5 for this huge pie, it's like right. they actually have really good pumpkin pie, I think. But right. um, yeah. I'll my, just go get three of the $1.50 hot dog things instead. No, and, um, okay. Well, one of my favorite places for pie, I call it the pie farm. It's on Whidbey, Whidbey Island. It's called Green Bank Farms. Uh, oh, yeah. And so we usually hit up that place when we're headed up to Keystone on Whidbey Island. Um, so yeah, I stop at my favorite lunch okay. spot, which I don't know if that was a question. And no, then that's okay. Um, it's a, head, okay. A what? That's completely fine. No, the Green Bank's oh, yeah. great. So there's so there's an amazing spot. deli on Whidbey Island. I just am obsessed with it. It's called Pickles Deli. Um, the owner Kim is from the East Coast, and she just makes the most amazing sandwiches. And then they have this big, huge barrel of pickles that you can get for a dollar. And um, okay. Yeah, really good sandwiches. And then um, they also sell pie there. That's really good. Um, but we usually just head over to the pie farm and get a whole pie. And then we'll bring it to the beach um, okay. for in between dives or after the dive. So we usually barbecue on the beach and then bust out okay. the pie and the coffee. So, all right. Yeah. All right. So last question is, yeah. what What didn't I ask you that I should have asked you during this conversation? Oh, holy moly. That's a good question. Oh, you didn't ask me who my favorite character from Star Trek was. <laughs> You're right. I didn't. Who uh, is I'm a I'm Spock, Leonard Nimoy all the way, um, Kirk okay. and Spock, original series. But yeah, okay. I, I actually got to meet him at a Star Trek convention a few years uh, a few years ago, like right before he died, unfortunately. But he was the nicest guy. Oh, my gosh. And like I met like I met William Shatner. He was so great. Aurora, um, Chekhov. I met like the whole original series cast except for Scotty and um, Dr. McCoy because they passed away before I had a chance. Mm-hmm. But I think the only one like went after I met Spock, I like had to wait till I was like the next room over and then just like busted out just bawling like I just he was like my hero like I just loved him my whole entire life and so 
uh, yeah, that was like one of the best days of my life. And then also meeting William Shatner, like, oh my gosh, the day I met William Shatner was great too, because he was out um, by at the Hilton by the SeaTac airport. Um, and he was so nice. Oh my gosh. And then, um, and then right after I met him, I met Jordi LaForge, LeVar Burton in the lobby. And he taught me this really cool thing I'll teach you over the camera, but he, you do a fist bump and then you go into live long and prosper. So LeVar Burton taught me that right after I met William Shatner. And then we headed <laughs> from that epic event all the way up to Bellingham to see the Jamestown revival. They had a show that night in Bellingham. So that was like one of the best days of my life. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like amazing Star Trek action and then a concert. So it was really fun. Okay. Yeah, that was pre-dive. That was pre-dive days. Pre-dive days. All right. <laughs> well, actually one more question you didn't ask, even though we're probably talking a lot. Sorry. It's um, okay. My favorite, most insane dive. Cause we oh, talked yeah. a lot about diving in the Puget Sound, which I love, but um, I didn't get to talk about Vancouver Island and Vancouver Island is just magical. Like it is so beautiful. It's like the Puget Sound, but on steroids, um, there's even more life and color up there. Mm-hmm. So it's still cold water diving, but um, I'd say learn to dive and practice in Puget Sound and then head up to like Campbell River or Port Hardy or Port McNeil and like your mind is going to be blown. So if you're a All diver, right. definitely check it out. Okay. Thank you so much. I've learned a lot about scuba diving. Thank um, you. I'm, I've I'm also like learned a lot about um, the whole I, I, I'm I think we're all, I mean, unless you've lived under a rock, I think we're all aware that the oceans have become a dumping ground or yeah. for many, many years. And that we have, a, we've hit, we probably have tipped beyond critical mass of a problem. Yeah. But I wasn't aware of some of the things that you shared, uh, like the sinking of the tires. Um, yeah. I'm also fascinated by, you know, teeth. I mean, sorry, that was just kind of a really weird thing that you disclosed. I mean, finding teeth, it would just be creepy. It was so creepy. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And the other thing that I was really surprised by that you shared was that you're not afraid of underwater creatures. I would, I'm sorry, you said the word shark and I looked over my shoulder because I heard, <laughs> dun, dun, you know, and so I'm yeah. the fact that you, the sharks don't bother you. No, sharks are amazing. And like, I mean, humans have killed so many sharks and sh- I mean the percentage of sharks killing humans versus human killing shark like that doesn't even compare at all like yeah, that movie still... Jaws just destroyed the shark population like it's just terrible and I mean sharks eat fish like they'll if if you're a human like you're a surfer up at the surface like you look like a seal or a like a, a like a food but like once they take a bite out of you you're like you don't taste good like you're not a fish like they know like right uh, but they they're, still, the they're still they're and, still they're still portrayed as very aggressive yeah. and maybe predatory. And, and so my, my, my awareness currently yeah. it would be that if I were underwater with you snapping my fingers and we're down 60 feet over Redondo yeah. and a six skill showed up, I yeah. probably <laughs> wouldn't be your dive buddy at that point. Yeah, I'd probably no, be I like, mm, up. Yeah. But, don't but, go too fast. But right, no, I mean, but, we're wearing but, like so much dive gear. We have all these bubbles coming out of our tanks. Every time you breathe, so many bubbles come right. out. We have big, huge lights. Like they know they're like, they think we're aliens and they'd like swim right. up. and like, what the heck are you? And then they'll just swim off. Like, yeah. I've That's never still, heard of a attacking a human. Still, um, still. No, like, I mean, I believe I, you, but I'm just yeah, telling you my personal, just, like. Yeah, I know. I think most people are very scared of sharks, and it's it's pretty unfortunate because they're just such magical, like, majestic creatures. And, like. Oh, they're very like, cool. Like, don't looking. touch the shark, but I really just want to, like, pet the shark. But don't, <laughs> the shark. don't touch it. <laughs> yeah, no, they're very cool looking. Don't get me wrong, but they also yeah. just very much, and, you know. Yeah, and also the giant Pacific octopus. I forgot to talk about that, but we have the world's largest octopus here. And so mm-hmm. um, the only time, like, I don't think an octopus has ever hurt a human, but, like, 
if you are hanging out with like a really huge one, like I've seen like a 10 foot octo before, um, mm -hmm. like if they get very interactive, sometimes curious, they'll like start filling you with their tentacles. So you just want to make sure you like hold your regulator in your mouth so that like they don't pull your air out. But um, yeah. I think actually my friend got his camera stolen by a giant Pacific octopus before and he like stole the whole camera and put it in his den. And uh, yeah, they're very strong. So definitely don't touch the sea creatures. Don't don't harass them or anything. But um, I, I've never like had any bad interactions with sea creatures before that are just really nice. So, well, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to sit down and talk with me today. I'm yeah, thank you. I, I had a lot of fun with this one. This is this is this is great. I always get to learn uh, new stuff when I talk to people. And uh, again, thanks to Ron for uh, putting us together. And thank you for yeah. making the time to do this. Um, I'll leave you with the last word. What do you want to okay. say? Yeah, thank you so much. And I just say, uh, let's all protect our amazing planet and our oceans. And if you're ever just walking on the beach and you see garbage, pick it up. If you're ever walking near your storm drain, pick it up. All that, all that trash by your storm drain on your street will actually go down into the ocean or your rivers. Um, and yeah, just let's all help each other and help our sea creatures. And I always like to leave it at the very end with a live long and prosper. There we go. Awesome. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at ExploreWaState. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at ExploreWashingtonState.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.